Hi, this is Ellen Marie McPhillip, and I am your host, and welcome to the Badass Women's Network podcast. Honestly, the notion of happiness is something that whether we're 25 or 55, we can all really sort of take a moment and say, happiness? Isn't that something that that just happens by accident? Well, in truthfulness, when you listen to Rochelle Gaper and her ideas around happiness, that actually isn't true. That happiness is our right, but it is also a choice. And that the things that we do every day, the things that we choose to believe about ourselves and about others, are all factors in helping us discover what makes us happy. Who makes us happy? And what kinds of engagements or activities do we need to really make part of our daily sustenance in order for us to thrive and to be satisfied and call ourselves happy? Every time I hear her speak, I learn something new, not only about what it means, what it takes to be a happy person, but why it matters. Okay, so my name is Rochelle Gaper, and I am a, an attorney. I'm an author. I'm a happiness coach, which is the thing I'm most proud of these days. Um, I think the world absolutely needs more happiness. We've well, known each other forever, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. am delighted to be here. I um, What else, you know? Uh, I, I'm really, in, I think that one of the cool things about uh, that first conversation was that we had so many things in common. So yes. share with me a little bit, and and you know those of who will hear this this podcast, share a little bit about your background, where you're from, um, how you got to be a lawyer, oh. and how you got to be a happiness coach. Okay, so I was raised in Kingston. I was born to a Jamaican mom and a Ugandan dad, and. So I left Jamaica when I was, what, 17 years old, and I went to Nashville for undergrad. And then I moved here to UM for law school, to Miami okay. for law school in 2002. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's been so long. Anyway, um, I've always wanted to be an attorney. I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. My mom said for a brief moment when I was maybe three or four, I would say I wanted to be a flight attendant because I thought they were so beautiful. But other than that, I don't remember a time not wanting to be an attorney. I came here for law school and in my first semester, I realized, hmm, maybe I don't really want to be a lawyer. Maybe I just like learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but by that point, I didn't know what else I would have wanted to do. And to rewind a little bit, um, I graduated from undergrad in three and a half years. So I ended up having a semester, mm-hmm. you know, um, a free semester. Mm-hmm. And I worked at my aunt's law firm at that time. She was a partner, another badass woman. Okay. And so I went to her law firm, a large na- international law firm at the time. And everybody there just seemed really unhappy. Mm-hmm. They would work long hours. And so what I took away from that experience was whatever career path I would take, mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to have work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So that was important mm-hmm. for me to realize then. Mm-hmm. So I came into law school knowing already that I was not on the big big law firm right. track, which right. was great, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It so it gave liberated. me the flexibility to mm-hmm. think about other things. Absolutely. Graduated from law school mm-hmm. and started working. And, you know, I love learning. I enjoyed my job. I started doing family, working in family court, in domestic balance specifically. Uh-huh. And the people were crazy. <laughs> and so I would leave work and call my mom on various days and just tell her how much I appreciated how she raised me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I had a very sheltered childhood filled with a lot of love, truly. And so that really put a lot in perspective of how I was situated in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So following mm-hmm. that, after grad, after leaving that job, I could only stay there two, two, two years. It was absolutely about to cloud my optimism. And right. I said, no more. And so the job that I serendipitously got after, mm-hmm. it literally fell in my lap. A healthcare attorney position, I applied 
got called for the interview. I'd never done anything healthcare related, but I figured I could learn. Mm -hmm. I'm a lawyer at that point. I could learn anything. And so I've been practicing healthcare law now for, wow, 11 years. And, And throughout working, you know, it's a small niche area of the law that I specifically do. And I knew I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. I knew there was more. And that there was a gnawing sensation of, you're good at this, but you are called to do something else. And so I always, and I would say maybe it was year eight of practicing where I started really, like the, the whisper started becoming a knock, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I started, you know, really starting to dig in. What do you love? What are you passionate about? And along the way, as I was practicing law, three attorneys and I, we started a company called Social Esquire, which was an event marketing company. So I always had a side hustle (laughs) as as I was working. And I loved it because Uh Social Esquire, the whole purpose was to mobilize young young professionals in a very relaxed environment so we could network. Mm -hmm. Because your network is your net net worth, right? right. Mm -hmm. And so we saw um, this niche, especially in Miami, Mm -hmm. and we decided to do it. We had yacht parties, dinner parties. I mean, it was fantastic. And so that was the grounding. Like, I always knew I loved entertainment. I always knew I loved connecting with people. And so Social Esquire was a perfect platform for that. Mm -hmm. So eventually, of course, life happens. Each of us go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. Still love each other we still have the company but not doing anything active with it Uh some got married had children and just our focus went um Mm -hmm. in different directions so uh what maybe three years ago that annoying sensation came back because when i'm only practicing law then i realized that the calling is just reaching out to me more Mm -hmm. Because I know it's not what fulfills me. Mm-hmm. And so three years ago, it you know, after just seeking that answer, it's interesting how the universe conspired and it just shook up my whole world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, of course I could go into that, but for right now, that closed door or that life shaking mm-hmm. caused me to stop and pause and self-reflect in a way that nothing else ever has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so through that, I realized that I had a special gift and my gift was optimism. And it's a thing that I've taken for granted my whole life. Mm -hmm. Because people say, you're the happiest person I know and you're so happy. But okay, great. I'm happy. I know I'm happy. What does that mean in the grand scheme of things? And isn't everybody else happy? (laughs) No. (laughs) So yeah. And so it was through those aha moments I started researching Mm -hmm. and I just fell in love with the school of positive psychology. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I'm a psychology major from undergrad. Mm -hmm. And that's why every single season of your life is relevant. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody had told me that my psychology degree would have came in so handy, 15 years later, I probably would have said absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But it was the psychology degree that caused me. And when I I studied psychology, they didn't have the school of positive psychology, Mm -hmm. which has just now been birthed within like the last 10, 11 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And so... I was intrigued and I just started researching everything on happiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just obsessed with the topic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it just organically happened. I got certified through the University of Pennsylvania. Wow. And then wow. I just, it just, it was, it's amazing when you're walking in your purpose, how doors will just open. Well, I think that's really interesting. You say I'm walking in my purpose. So what's, what's crazy about that is there was this hunger that somehow or the other was just would not go away. Absolutely. And who did you talk to about this hunger? God. A lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am deeply spiritual. Uh, my relationship with God is like the most important relationship of my entire life. I am a chronic journaler. Like mm-hmm. I journal everything. I've been keeping journals prayer journals specifically since I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. When I got on the plane to get to Nashville, my mom gave me my first prayer journal and I've journaled my entire life. I have them in storage. So if I were to die today, you would know every (laughs) single thing I talk. So you're going to be in my journal tonight, right? But um, separate and apart from that, like I, I got so still. I would just write everything and I'd go back and I'd just read the things I'd write about Mm -hmm. and it would just give me so much revelation. Mm -hmm. But I would talk to my mom Mm -hmm. about, you know, the feelings I was having and then I also have an aunt who is like, 
my sage, she's so wise. Um, I consider her one of my best friends in the world. And I would talk to her about it too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having women around me who, one, they would always listen. Two, they also were very supportive of my confusion or my discovery period, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. no idea was too small, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. they all cheered me along. Okay, why are you feeling that way? Or you should maybe contemplate this or mm -hmm. how could it work? Mm -hmm. You know, they challenged me, mm -hmm. but they also supported me. Mm -hmm. So I spoke to them about it. And I think it was one of those things where um, I'm very verbal and vulnerable about my feelings. So I would say, it. I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing to close friends. And a few of them would say to me, I think you should pursue life coaching. My mom had told me that a long time ago. She, she saw it in me. Yeah. She saw the gift. Mm -hmm. And I said, ah, and I went on a phone call once, like a life coaching phone call, mm -hmm. um, an introductory session. And I just didn't like the, I guess it was the delivery or the person who was conducting the call. Mm -hmm. It just didn't resonate with my spirit. Or maybe I just wasn't in a space where I was ready to receive the message. Mm -hmm. But you better believe, maybe what? A couple of years after, it was just like an aha moment. I was doing it for free every day with my coworkers, with my friends. And so a lot of times the purpose and your calling is the thing that you would do for free. Mm -hmm. The thing that you're just so good at. Yes. And so friends would always say to me, whenever I'm having a hard time, you know, you're the first person I want to call. And people would just be calling me out the blue for advice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one friend said to me, she's, she started thinking, what would Roro do? And I was just like, oh, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So having a network of people who want just affirm the gift. Mm -hmm. And then two, um, just allowing me to be vulnerable in not knowing. Mm -hmm. You know, because a lot of times people think, well, you're an attorney. That's enough. Why would you want anything else? You know, and so my truth was I knew I wanted to do other things. And I don't believe any of us have to do only one thing. Well, here's what's um, fairly extraordinary about what you've said, I think, that being a black female professional, super well-educated, clearly extroverted, <laughs> could have these high or low, depending on your, your point of view, these moments of vulnerability Yes, where the opportunity to really dig deep and ask serious questions, you needed that. Mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, the, the, the answers weren't outside. The answers were inside. But you still needed support or people who loved you enough to challenge in a loving and giving way. Absolutely. And I think that that's where, <clears throat> in my estimation, your story really sort of resonates with the notion of the badass community, right? It's more women who are doing their thing, finding their groove, but they know that it's the circle, it's the community that lifts them up. Absolutely. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about um, the move into being an author, because Yes, we've gone to, to law. You're obviously terrific at that. And life coaching came out of a natural optimism that was emerging. But being an author is hard work. So talk to us about, A, you know, that piece of the conversation and how you, you, you get to the grindstone every day. So <clears throat> I remember earlier I said I, I love to journal. So I love mm -hmm. to write. That's mm -hmm. I, I just love to write. I love books. I like to write. I always knew I was going to write a book. I didn't know it would have been so soon, and I didn't know about what. Mm -hmm. And so in that season where I said, you know, the life shaking happened, um, I remember people kept saying to me that I had a really different perspective. And so <clears throat> I was in a long-term relationship, and the relationship ended, and it was one of those things that shook me to my core. Um, it was the first time something that I wanted didn't go my way. It was the first time I could really look back on my life and think, okay, I was rejected. And so along the way, I would see friends and acquaintances who had known me in the relationship and they would approach me with almost pity. Like, how are you doing? Are you okay? 
And I thought, well, I am sad that the relationship ended, but I'm alive. I um, I have my family, I have my friends, I'm still employed. You know, I just had really, I was very grateful for all the other things I had going on in my life. And as people would say that to me, they would say, whoa, your perspective is refreshing. You should write a book. And I said, maybe I should write a book because I didn't realize that my perspective was so refreshing or so different. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, I was sad. I was heartbroken. But at the end of the day, I, I thought there are millions of women who have gone through heartbreak. There are millions of people who haven't had things go their way. What am I going to do with this story? What is this here to teach me? And so once people kept saying to me, oh, this is refreshing, I realized this was an opportune moment. Mm -hmm. And so to go back to vulnerability, I remember going to my boss who was really cool with at the time. And that's why it's so important to be good to people. Um, and I went to her office and I had a moment where I told her, I said, I need a break. I need a break from everything. And she said, is everything okay? And I said, it's not, you know? And she said, would you like to be transferred to a different office? And I said, well, me going anywhere, I'll still be the same Rochelle. I just need five weeks unpaid to figure myself out. And I guess you could see how serious I was. And I was vulnerable. And she knew me to be this well-adjusted, high-energy, happy, always-have-it-together, goal-oriented person. So for, for me to go to her and tell her, oh, no, completely confused, don't know what I'm doing with my life, I just need a moment, she was taken aback. And so long story short, by the grace of God, I was blessed with seven weeks paid leave where I went off to Oxford University, where I was based with one of my best friends, who is a dean there, and um, I started writing. And I just wrote, my. I, I made a commitment to myself, every single day of this journey, you're gonna write one sentence. I don't care. And you don't just sit down and write one <laughs> sentence. You get in the flow. So right. I'd have like three paragraphs. Then I'd read it and say, wow, this is good. Let me keep going. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so the writing process, because I'd had the journals, mm -hmm. and prior to that, I'd started sharing little nuggets on Instagram, mm -hmm. on social media, and I was getting really good feedback. And mm -hmm. people kept saying, oh, I thought what you posted today, I thought you're reading my diary. I thought you're reading my journal. It was resonating mm -hmm. with others. So I started taking some of those nuggets that I was putting up on social media, mm -hmm. and I also incorporated them into the book. Okay. So yes, it was a gift for myself, but it was also a gift for other people, mm -hmm. because I realized that, well, clearly I couldn't be the only person going through this. Mm -hmm. And then it was also at that time where I just be, be, become consumed with learning about happiness. Mm -hmm. So I started, mm -hmm. you know, because I was really curious to find out why is it that I am wired this way? Mm -hmm. What's different about me mm -hmm. that I have the emotional resiliency to go through this life shaking event and still land on my feet? and try to use it for a greater good. Mm -hmm, and I just started mm -hmm, digging mm -hmm. down and researching. So that's how the book was worth. And the name of the book is? One Happy Thought at a Time, 30 Days to a Happier You. And it's an Amazon bestseller. Okay. And I'm very proud of that. No, girl, listen. Yeah. I think so many people talk about, A, writing. Mm -hmm. So many people talk about finding their, their special gift. Mm -hmm. And at a reasonably young age, you've managed to put those things together and um, make something really special happen, not just for you, but for others. Mm -hmm. And I'm benefiting from that. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm happy. I'm, you <laughs> know, uh, it's, so one of the, the questions, though, you hear people say, well, isn't happiness this fleeting thing? Um, why isn't it about joy? And, you know, I use them interchangeably, really. Mm -hmm. And so I think each of us individually, we have to define what happiness and joy means to us. Mm -hmm. And so for me, happiness for me is peace. Anything that leads me towards peace and peace of mind, that's where my happy lies. Absolutely. Whether mm -hmm. it's laying on the beach, watching a sunset, or curled up in bed, reading a good book. And one of the things I'm very, very careful about and very clear about is that happiness is nothing external. It, it, it all begins within us. So it doesn't matter how many cars you buy, how many pairs of shoes you buy. If within you are not content, 
then nothing you add to yourself will ever make you happy or, or joyous or joyful. So I guess why people think it's fleeting is because they attach that, the feeling to like the accomplishment or the buying of something, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to being something within yourself that you can nurture and that you could identify and always go towards in moments where you feel like, okay, life isn't going well for me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I'll even say it, gratitude is one of the major ways to happiness. And so many people underestimate how that small practice of waking up every single morning, I, I tell my clients to do it, whether you do it in the morning, I prefer in the morning or in the night, three new things every single day that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And if you open your eyes and you tune into gratitude, you don't even have a moment to complain. <laughs> so when the alarm goes off before you could say, why do I have to go to that job? Or Lord, I don't like the traffic. No, if you tap into gratitude, I woke up this morning, my heart is beating. I have a roof over my head, boom perspective mm -hmm. and so you know cultivating happiness for me really is a daily practice mm -hmm. you don't just get one big pile of happiness and it lasts for the rest of your life no 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 <laughs> you literally have to actively do it every day like you brush your teeth like you shower mm -hmm. every single day it's a commitment that you have to make to yourself that i am going to do these three things that i know bring me joy and i'm going to apply them because listen we have to take responsibility for our lives we do, and I think so many people think that their power lies, lies outside themselves, not mm -hmm. realizing how much agency and power we have, mm -hmm. you know? And so we have to happen to life as opposed to making life happen to us. And as a black woman, mm -hmm. do we suffer? <sighs> you know, I don't want to just say black women, I think human beings on a whole, but let's talk about us specifically. We take on the burden of the world, the family. And it's almost as if we find great joy in being worn down, you know? Oh, you know, I take care of my kids, I'm a husband and I put myself last. And it's, it hurts me because ultimately you can't pour from an empty tank mm -hmm. and you can only give what you have. And so I think for far too long, so many black women have put their selves at the bottom, them, themselves at the bottom of their to-do list. Mm -hmm. And we see it with our, you know, the elderly, like grandparents, great grandparents, you know, always just taking on the burden of the world. And it's almost as if they wouldn't believe that goodness is their birthright. And goodness is our birthright. Every single human being, being's birthright. But more importantly, for black women, I would hope you know, we could all see our greatness and not allow anybody to dictate what or who we should be when we show up in this world because we're fearlessly and wonderfully made and we're queens, you know? So, um, yeah, I definitely think a lot of times we beat ourselves down and we fall into the trap of listening to all the statistics about how unlovable or how undesirable we are. But that's just a story that they're just trying to tell us to keep us boxed in so we don't rise up in our true power and conquer the world. Because, you know, when you think about a powerful black woman, Michelle Obama, how she stands in her truth and how everybody around her, they admire her and they respect her and so it's almost so many of us we are embodied in her absolutely there are millions absolutely. of michelle obamas every day absolutely. around the world but you see you can't most times you can't become you can't become what you don't see mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm so happy that she ended up becoming the first lady yeah because she's such a great example for so many generations of women yeah even my goddaughter she's 12 years old and she's giving me giving me an example of something that happened school at school the other day and it was her behaving in a way that i knew she could be better mm -hmm. and i said do you think michelle obama would have acted in that regard if she were at the white house do you think she would do that and you could tell that light bulb moment went off for her mm -hmm. and she said okay she got it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. What I hear most is the fact that you found your voice. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and what has that meant to you as you have um, not just found your voice, but found your power? Mm. 
So, okay, for me, I think, you know, finding my voice is like embodying I know who you are to the core, you mm. know, being authentic, showing up in the world as your full self, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly, and just being really intimate with who you are. And so um, at this point, I think I've always known myself, like I've known my values, I've known my values. It's it's incredible because I'm so, I love to self-reflect. I'm extremely self-aware. Um, I'm the only child. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that had any kind of... Uh, but let me ask a question because you see, yeah. I, I, you know your values, but how did you know your value? And that's perfect. So my value, my value is rooted in one my belief, who God made me to be. So I was going to Sunday school. I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't going to Sunday school. And I remember hearing the verse that, you know, as fearfully and wonderfully made perfect in God's image, right? So having that as my foundation, also having a very, very loving family. My family, and I thank them to this day, they built huge self-esteem in me. And so I don't remember a time ever feeling not loved, not cared for, not cheered on. I was always told, you're amazing. You're the best, you know? But Rochelle, the world, the world, you know, really makes you crazy. Yes. And and being a black woman with such power, such extroverted energy, doesn't, hasn't the world wanted to just squash you and, and just, just squeeze all that happiness out of you? You know what it is? I, I just think that I was just so grounded in who I was from so young. So even when my teachers would want to say things to me, I remember being the, the child who would say, I'm not that person or I don't believe it or I disagree. And so they would call my mom. And I remember at one point she said to them, don't call me back unless it is something to do with her grades. Because I was just so, it wasn't that I was precocious or rude. I was just very grounded in my beliefs because I was raised in an environment that allowed me to speak up. Sundays, I would be performing poetry. I'd have my family watching, clapping me, you know? So I was really affirmed. And I think it's so important for children to be affirmed because you know love based on how you're raised and how you're loved. And so anything that was counter to what I knew growing up, it just would almost bounce off me. Because if somebody said to me, you're not that amazing, I've been programmed to believe I was amazing for 18 years. So clearly you were mistaken. Really, I used to think that like, okay, wait, no, no, no. That is not what I was raised believing, you know, that I won was fearfully and wonderfully made. God never made a mistake when he made me, nor did my parents, nor did does my family who loves me. So I always would go back to that. And so it doesn't mean that throughout my life, I haven't had moments where I, where I haven't had self-doubt. There are moments I've had self-doubt, but the grounding, the foundation is there and it's strong. And I go back to that place and I still have those same family members cheering me along. Because even if I call my mom today and I said to her, oh, I don't know if I could, you absolutely can. And why can't you? It's that constant, constant affirmation. And so I was raised in that environment. And so even my friends will say, you know, oh, wow, you always look on the bright side. You always find the silver lining. Oh, we missed our flight. Oh, that's fine, guys. Meaning God probably prevented us from an accident. I just am wired to see the bright side. Mm -hmm. And so I know for a fact, a lot of it is genetic, but I also know a lot of it is practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. So talk me through practice, because um, part of what we want to be able to do is, is, is share with those who come after us, yes. right? Yes. Who, who, who don't necessarily have that amazing family community around them. Absolutely. To, 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 so talk to us a little bit about practice. Okay. So I can't overestimate the importance of self-love. Self-love, I think every single thing stems from that place. When you love yourself you will figure out the ways, the tools, the people that you need to become the highest version of you. And that means being able to look yourself in the mirror and accept every single flaw that you think you have and just know that whatever it is that you think you are lacking or you don't have, that you can always become better. 
There's no, we live in an environment now where we have so many resources. We have the internet at our fingertips on our smartphone. Wake up every day, read articles on self-love, positive affirmations. There's no reason that you should walk out of your house any, mo any morning without affirming yourself. I go in that mirror and I tell myself I love myself. Anything that I can give to anybody else, I've given it to myself first. Mm -hmm. I love you. You're amazing. You're a winner. And so it's little things. And you may have to repeat that over and over and over again until you believe it. And guess what? You could also go to therapy. That's why you have trained professionals mm -hmm. to help you. Because as you said, everybody was not able or raised in an environment that was healthy. And that's unfortunate, but it doesn't mean that you have to be a victim your entire life. Mm -hmm. You could choose at any moment to become a better version of yourself. Any moment. You don't have to wait for the next Monday. You could literally stop listening to this podcast and say, today is the day I'm going to break free. I'm going to be the best version of myself. How? Affirmations. Journaling. It is such a powerful habit to nurture. When you see your handwriting and you read your words, you're almost able to like psychoanalyze yourself. You see your, what you're worrying about right there on paper. But what's the beautiful thing about journaling is that you will look back. Like, for instance, I like to read my journals from like two years ago on the exact date. So, for instance, if it's April 3rd, I will 2019, I'll go to April 3rd, 2017. What was Rochelle thinking then? And I may have been worried about something. And then I read it and I realize it all worked out. And that's the affirmation I needed. I was capable of doing it then. I am capable of doing it now. And there's nothing better than your own testimony. Right. There's nothing, nothing better than knowing that you're able to because we have short-term memory. So you will forget the seasons in your life where you thought, I cannot make it, but you made it. Who are you in that season that caused you to make it? And so in that journal, you will, it just tells you all your secrets. And you see the tears and you see how you prayed and that maybe you went to church three times and then maybe you saw a therapist or maybe you call your grandma. You went to spa day with your girlfriends. What are the things that you used to help yourself through your seasons? Because a lot of times we're so fixated on what works for other people that we overlook the things that have worked for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I know the things that work for me. Prayer is one. If I'm stressed out, I'll go for a run. I get to clear my head. Mm -hmm. What works for you? You may not like to run, mm -hmm. but you may like yoga. Have mm -hmm. you tried it? Mm -hmm. And also, we need to start trying new things. And I think the older we get, we get stuck. We don't want to try new things. We, we lose curiosity. We go to the same Publix every weekend. We go to the same restaurants on a Friday night. Try new things. Discovery is key. You never know who you may sit next to. Talk to people. Talk to different people. Talk to people who look different from you. Everybody has a story. That means everybody has something to teach you. So I, I just like said uh, so many little nuggets, you know, just now. Right. But it is being conscious in your life and not passively living. You have to actively live. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. have to check in with yourself. Self, how do I feel today? Do I feel tired? Do I feel worn out? Why? What are my triggers? Have I been working too much? Have I not been getting eight hours of sleep? Have I been taking my vitamins? You have to take inventory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could ask you those questions, but I'm not always with you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I keep going back to the power is ours, like yours individually. We have to take agency of our lives. And so it, it really... I realized that I always knew in a way, okay, well, I can accomplish the goals that I set for myself. But on a cellular level, I started thinking three years ago, every single action that I take or pursue has a direct response. Every. And I started being extremely intentional about the energy that I allowed to come in my space. To the point where my mom thought I was getting crazy at one point. She said, maybe you're overdoing this, honey. Maybe you're getting a bit carried away. I, nope, I decided if my phone would ring, is this interaction going to make me any better? I resigned from boards. I resigned from organizations. 
Mm. I said I did not want to occupy spaces where I didn't believe I could be my best self. And I did not believe in occupying spaces where I know there were other people who would appreciate that space more than I did or would. My life has transformed. And the day day one in my book, it is about making happiness-enhancing decisions. And a happiness-enhancing decision is running every single action that you're going to do. And I'll give you an example if you're invited to a baby shower. How will I feel having gone to that baby shower? Is it going to make me happy? Will I be better served? Will it be better if I just send a gift? Because if I'm going to go there, is it that I'm going to show up and then I'm going to say, oh, well, I wish I had a baby or that? If you find yourself going down that path, bring yourself back. Do things that are in your highest good. Stop doing things that are detrimental to your well-being, right? Mm -hmm. So the happiness enhancing decision, will having this phone conversation make me happy? Mm -hmm. Will showing up at this happy hour make me any better? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I just started weeding out the things that I was lukewarm about and decided I only wanted to spend my time with people and things that I'm passionate about. And these three years have been incredible because now I don't do lukewarm. I have one precious life and every single day that passes, that's a day I can never get back. So I'm sitting here with you. I looked forward to this all day. Me too. <laughs> I looked forward to this all day. But there are many people who ask me, oh, could you come to happy or could we meet for a drink? No, absolutely not. Because I know the value exchange in our meeting is not going to fill me up. It's mm-hmm. not going to leave me feeling good. Mm-hmm. I'd rather stay at home and read. Mm-hmm. And so the self-awareness has definitely helped me zone into that. And to be fair, that's one thing I don't believe I was that good at before. Mm-hmm. Because I'm an extrovert. I like to be out. I like to hang out. I like to have fun. Da, 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 the only child syndrome. I'm just all over the place, right? No. Three years ago, I said, absolutely not. No more. It's I'd rather have quality relationships than quantity. And then I would just use that energy to make myself better and my relationships better. And so I think I've always been a really good friend. But now, instead of having to dilute my energy for 20 people, now I have seven people I talk to regularly. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I know that those relationships benefit for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm better for it. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And so it's it's so wonderful to have discovered that. Because... The liberty mm-hmm. is a lot of us don't get there till it's almost finished. And we don't have the energy to actually enjoy the, li- the liberation, right? Absolutely. Um, so in a lot of ways, when you heard the terminology, badass women, you lit right up. I love it. Why? Tell me what what you think it means and and where in your constellation of 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 attitudes and 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 energy the notion of being badass sort of fits in. Okay. So when I first heard the term, well, badass women's network, the, the name is bomb already. But um Separate and apart from that, when I think about a badass woman, I think about a woman who is fearless. I think about a woman who is confident. And when I say fearless, meaning she shows up as her true self. She really accepts who she is as an individual. She's not defined by the world world standards. She's defined by her own standards. And so badass woman, for me, I come from a legacy of badass women. My mom, my grandma, my aunts, my grandaunt, my great-grandma, they are badasses. And I am just so grateful to just come from such a strong line of women, like strong in the sense of strong in love, strong in faith, strong in passion, strong in their vision. And so my great-grandma the other day, you know, my... um. My aunt was telling me a story about her, about all this land that she amassed. And I said, okay, wait, how did she get all this land? And she said, oh, her husband. And so she, her husband left all this land to her and all her children. And it just blew my mind that this woman who could not read had the the foresight to not only ensure that she had the land, But also, it was important to her to make sure that all her children and their children had land. 
every single one of my grandparents grandparents are educated mm -hmm. because of the sacrifice that she made. They're all PhDs. Absolutely. My grandfather sacrificed his education to ensure that all his siblings went to school. They all have a terrorist, they all have PhDs in education. And so when I see the woman in my family, I know it obviously hasn't been easy. They have had their ups and their downs. Their faith have it has absolutely grown in them. But to have the wisdom and the foresight to ensure that generations after would all thrive and all flourish, that's badass to me. Absolutely. Because it's not about only making myself better. It's making generations better. And by essence, now, because I am so rooted and grounded in their goodness, I'm able to give the goodness to the world. Because yeah. I would not be able to wake up and do the work that I do every day had I come from a very broken family vibe like my family truly has shaped how i see the world and um yes a badass for me is a woman who just shows up in her truth you know i use michelle obama i use oprah winfrey and so oprah winfrey for me i love her she's an excellent role model but she is an example of how you could start from an environment where your trajectory almost says that you would be unsuccessful and for her to be able to reinvent herself over the years and continue to be successful, mm -hmm. but while sharing her truth, sharing the valleys, sharing the hills, mm -hmm. sharing the brokenness, mm -hmm. and showing that you could literally emerge from ashes, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. You know, so badass for me is just embracing and embodying the, the, the wholeness of who you are, the entire story. So it's, it's it's so interesting to me because when we first started talking about badass, some of the feedback was negative. Why? And the negativism came from the notion that somehow this was going to emasculate no. rather than empower, right? That somehow the the conversations around being this persona or this this version of ourselves would somehow hurt rather than help hurt who us as women hurt, or the community hurt, or hurt the community that somehow it would emasculate the men oh in... no yes and so i only believe that it could emasculate an insecure man right because who as human beings i think we should all want to come on this earth and become the best versions of ourselves, man or woman. So I can't imagine how a woman walking in her truth and in her power it's crazy. could ever make mm -hmm. anyone feel emasculated. I mean, ultimately, I see how if your light is bright, sometimes it is very off-putting. People will think, okay, whoa, that person is just so confident. And I believe that when your light is so bright or when you're so confident, it causes people to start to doubt themselves mm -hmm. or to wonder if they're enough, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I also think the reverse happens that other people will look and think, well, if she can do it, so can I. And I think that's powerful. Uh, yes. That's absolutely powerful. Yeah. And so as I think each one reach one, you know, mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, my friends and my family will rally around me and say, girl, you could do this, you know? And then once they see me walk in my truth and my power, I liberate others to do the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So, well, but, but so so this this was, I, I can't tell you the, the, the tension that, that the, the name produced yeah. in, in different circles. And so I almost... But I didn't. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so happy you did not succumb. Let me let me give you an listen. You see, when you have conviction of purpose, you have to follow through. God did not give anybody else this gift but you. And I remember when I first announced that I was going to be a happiness coach, people wouldn't say it to me, but they would say it to friends around me. Oh, what's a happiness coach? You can't teach people how to be happy. One of those same people who said it to one of my closest friends, my, my friend was so hurt by it. And she came to me and she's very protective of me. And I said to her, don't worry, babe. I'm, I, this is my calling. 
I know what I'm doing, right? So it doesn't matter what the noise says. Because there will always be noise. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that same girl two weeks ago literally sent me a message out the blue. I never asked her anything about it. She said at first, she said, I have a confession to make. At first, when you had announced that you're being a happiness coach, I wondered, how are you going to teach people how to be happy? But I have to tell you that a cousin of mine was going through depression and I gave her a book and I can see her slowly seeing the light. So I really applaud you for the work you're doing and I said thank you thank you because everybody is not going to come on the journey at the same time mm-hmm. but you know your where you're going mm-hmm. it's just like if I'm leaving from Miami to drive to Orlando there are people who are going to come on the journey right outside downstairs mm-hmm. but there are people who you're going to have to pick up in West Palm there are people you're going to you know what I mean as you keep going up 95 yeah, yeah. you're going to start picking up people mm-hmm. because a lot of people can't believe in the dream went from its inception but that's not their duty to do that it's your dream mm-hmm. it's my dream I don't need anybody else to find my flames on my dream or my calling. I want them to find theirs. So most times I'm like, listen, don't even worry about what I'm doing. I think you should be using the energy to focus on yourself to find out what you should be doing. So Badass Women's Network, I love it. It is fantastic. And I'm so happy you're you're doing it because then we wouldn't have the opportunity to meet. I know. How amazing is that? Yes. How amazing is that? So the the... One of the big, um, I, I think, uh, for me was one of these, because I, I, I had always, um, throughout my career, mm-hmm. I always knew that there were certain things that you just can't do. You you can't spill your personal business at every opportunity because it's just not appropriate. I Forget do. about being professional. It's just inappropriate. So the list of... 30 things that um, I think are important for every woman to to know uh, is pretty comprehensive. Yes, I love it. And I'd love to hear which one spoke the most to you. You know, they all resonated with me. Um, I could say that at different points of my life, I could see how each of those have made a difference or an impact. But the one that absolutely stood out was know what motivates you, find your purpose, live your passion. And it it pretty much sums up everything that we spoke about because, you know, I were at UM and you are faculty at UM or were faculty, yes, mm-hmm. administrator. Mm-hmm. And I attended UM for law school. And it's like a full circle moment interacting with you mm-hmm. because I remember wondering, you know, what life would hold. And I knew it would be magical, but I just didn't know what it would look like. And I had a three-year plan, a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year plan. But what I always knew to be true is that I needed to be happy. And I knew work-life balance was going to be so important for me. So when I had hit that wall where I just walked into that my boss's office and I told her I just didn't know what else like I just lost my way you know Mm -hmm. and I just wanted more Mm -hmm. and so three years from that pivotal moment to see that I'm here having an interview on badass women's network I mean it has blown my mind It's just like life coming full circle. I just feel so proud of myself for being brave, for just taking the opportunity to just pause, to really figure myself out, to figure out what my passions were. And I can honestly say that I wake up every single morning and I'm so happy to be living in my purpose because I remember seeking it. Asking that question over and over again. There has to be more. There has to be more. What was I put on this earth for? And so it is so important. It's my mission now to help everybody awaken to their calling because we all have one. And there are 7.7 billion people in this world. Everybody has a special, unique talent. But more importantly, there's somebody who needs your gift. So if I could make one person happier, I've done my job. And yesterday, a lady randomly reached out to me on social media and posted a quote. And she said, I share your quotes with my adult children every morning. You are a part of our village. 
And she touched my heart so deeply. Mm-hmm. I told her mm-hmm. because it just the bravery, the courage, all the tears, the doubt, the confusion, everything that took me, the journey to get here, Mm -hmm. to really be living in my truth, to be living my passion, to be using my voice, not only to transform my life, but the lives of so many others. I mean, I am just blown away. I'm blown away. And so, yep, know what motivates you, happiness, seeing the best in people, helping people live their best lives, their happiest lives, their most fulfilled lives, finding my purpose. I am absolutely in my purpose. I am walking in it every single day, boldly and living my passion. You know, it spews out of my bones. I'm happy. And I want everybody to catch it. Everybody I come in contact with, yes, I want you to be happy too because you deserve it. And happiness is your birthright. It is absolutely, absolutely your birthright. We all deserve it. Well, I shall play this particular episode over and over again for myself. So bless you, Rochelle. Oh, God bless you too. And thank you. Oh, I love you. I love you too. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to Rochelle and hearing about some of the things that perhaps you didn't even consider as an enhancing or an engaging in a happiness-enhancing decision. When all is said and done, we each make a choice. We stop, we can think, We can stop today. We can stop doing the things today that make us unhappy. We can stop engaging and connecting with people or ideas that make us unhappy. We only have this one life to lead. And what are we doing to activate our lives? What peoples are we bringing into our network so that our net worth is also feeding us happiness. Honestly, I think that Rochelle is really onto something and I want to encourage you to follow her on Instagram. She's very active and would welcome your engagement. That's it for today. And I look forward to our next conversation on the Badass Women's Network.